0: Take that!
1: This is Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. This is a rebroadcast of an original episode first recorded with my father, Jeff Clark. My apologies to any listeners who've been waiting a long time to... Uh, here, the next edition of Hunting Humbug 101. But I've been a little bit busy of late, having my second child, who's almost a month old now, and that's taken up the majority of my time. So I haven't been able to get around to producing another episode. This episode is a little haphazard. You can probably hear the noises. I'm actually just uh, on a break from lunch from work. It's any opportunity I've had a chance to do some more recording, and. I'm sitting outdoors and I thought I'd just introduce this episode a little bit differently to the others because I'm by myself without Jeff, first of all. Uh, he'll be along shortly because we've pre-recorded another section where we're actually uh, analysing a fallacy. Now, this is a little bit different, this episode, because instead of r- doing a reading from the book and telling you what the fallacies are, we've got uh, just one clip to have a listen to. And what I'll allow you to do is I'll I'll put some... T- uh, it's a little bit of time before we talk about the fallacy after you've heard the clip, so you can try and figure out what you think the fallacy is for yourself. Sorry, I just need to interrupt myself there for a moment. What I'll do is I will play a little sound effect when the fallacy is being made, the Windows error beep. So when you hear the Windows error beep, you know that there's a fallacy being, being made, and that's what you need to try and figure out. All right, back to me again so it actually will be quite a bit of a tutorial in that sense so it's quite a good opportunity for you to hone some of your skills this is a shorter episode we will probably be a little bit longer in the next episode Uh, but anyway let's get on with it so here's me and dad slash jeff from about a week or two ago
0: it
1: starts In this little segment, we're going to look at a little audio clip from everyone's favourite psychologist, Dr. Phil, and we'll have a look at a couple of the fallacies uh, that Dr. Phil and also his guests bring out and have a quick brief discussion of those fallacies. So, this is a clip I found on YouTube. Uh, Theo, it's so- a great. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yep. yep.
2: Yeah, I just, just, uh, I, I need to correct you there because in, in one of the, um, uh, Films I saw recently, uh, Doctor Phil admitted that he was just an electrician.
1: Was that um, was that scary movie by any chance?
2: Yeah, it was. It was scary movie. He, he was he was chained in a dungeon. Yeah, but you know, when people somebody.
1: admit strange things under duress, so. and he admitted
2: he was just an electrician. Yeah,
1: well, um, it, it, to be true, to be actually, if you look at his history, he was actually a failed psychologist, um, and he only got famous because of Oprah and because he was a jury selector for her trial about when she said she'd never eat hamburger again. Um, okay, well, let's, let's have a listen to uh, this audio clip now of uh, Dr. Phil meeting his match, quite frankly.
0: Have you asked me what I've done to overcome this problem? I don't uh, think you asked that question at all. You know, I haven't asked that question because I have problems with the answers. You know, you you have you you have a very much of... Yeah, but you've never overcome uh,
3: exhibitionism, so what would you know about it? Well, unless you've lived this problem, because okay, but
0: that's I've, like I, that's, said, that's, no, wait to a that's like telling a brain surgeon they've got to have had a tumor in order to help somebody. No, it isn't. Help. No, it isn't. No, it isn't.
3: It isn't the same at all. It's not the same at all. It's not the same at all. This is a behavior. It's not a condition of the mind that can be fixed by a doctor doing technical work. This is a behavior that, unless you have experienced the humiliation of this behavior, you couldn't possibly know what it's like.
0: So, oh, I I have no question that that's true. Don't, hey, don't show me your hand. Are you through talking? Yeah, I think okay. I'm We'll be
1: right back. He, he basically says, the guest says, unless you've you know, lived with the shame of the, what I've had, you couldn't possibly understand what it's like and you couldn't possibly help me. Um, and so he... Basically, that's a really good example of special pleading, saying you need to see things from my point of view. If you can't see them from my point of view... Uh, what would you know? There's no way you could help me, that kind of thing. So that's a really clear example of special pleading there.
2: Yeah, I think um, a way of people understanding what special pleading is is to think of that old folks saying, um, unless you walk a mile in my shoes, you don't understand what it's like to be me. Um, and this is the basis of um, some feminists saying men can't write a novel, including female characters, because they don't really understand how females think. Um, And that that is self-evidently not true.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with that. And, um, yeah, basically, however, there there can be some point to special pleading in that when, for example, um, he does say you can't possibly understand it, that's, you, you can argue, maybe not understand, but you can't, to empathise with somebody, you probably do need to have had those similar experiences. But you, it doesn't mean you can't help somebody because you haven't had that same experience. So just because I haven't, um, you know, Experienced, say for example, uh, firsthand giving birth. It doesn't mean I was completely useless when my child was being born the other day. I mean, I was close to being useless, but that's just because it's me. But it wasn't because I hadn't gone through that experience myself. So there, are, it depends on the, the the way they're phrasing it. So if you're talking about, you know, you, you can't empathise with me, well, maybe that's true, but but it doesn't mean you can't necessarily help, or you're excluded. So when they try and exclude you from that, that's definitely going to be a case of special pleading.
2: Yeah, I think. Um You can also think of parallel situations. Um, For example, uh, I was constipated once for almost two weeks and um, I I did understand the, the problems of childbirth in a sense. After that experience. <laughs> All right,
1: <laughs> moving on. Uh, the, the other, the, the doctor Phil's comeback then is to say, well, you know, I don't need to um, have had a, a tumour or whatever to, to be, if I'm a brain surgeon. And so he comes back with a, essentially a false analogy. And his false analogy is that, you know, uh, if if a, a, it's a, the, the, the diagnosis that he's giving this guy for having um, this... Uh, whatever disorder he's got is similar to a physical ailment in, inside somebody's brain and, and a, a brain surgery basically involves cutting something out you know it's completely different and so to his credit the guy the, the guest on the show points that out to Dr. Phil immediately and says you know no, it's not the same it's not the same at all so he calls him out and says yeah essentially not using the words but he points out that that's a false analogy analogies can be used to illustrate a point but you can't really use it to make an argument you can only use it really to articulate what you mean better
2: yeah, the, the other thing about that clip is that the audience claps Dr. Phil's comeback, and that's simply because they're Dr. Phil's acolytes. They're always going to do that, no matter how good the argument from his guest.
1: Yeah, and, and that, that's an excellent point, and that's, that actually leads into the next last part of the clip, because I want to watch this last part of the clip, uh... Dr. Phil has got this massive power advantage and so it's one thing, certainly you understand really well as an educator um, but you know, business people know it, I mean I'm sure most people understand the idea that if you're in a position of authority over somebody or you've got the odds stacked on your side, it doesn't you've got a massively unfair advantage in, in in a situation, in an argument or whatnot. and so that's what Dr. Phil has in this situation, he's got the audience on his side, Doesn't no matter what he would say the audience is going to agree with him and so he has this power dynamic whereby he can say whatever he wants and he, he will win because they're all on his side because he's Dr. Phil. And that's exactly what this guy points out next. So why don't we have a listen to it?
0: I said I did. Well, well why do you want to do that?
3: Because I said I would, and I don't... I'm a man of my word when I say I want to well, do something. Well, I'll certainly
0: release you from that commitment whatsoever. Well, no, no,
3: I didn't ask to be released from that commitment. I said I was going to do something, and I intend to do what I, what I said I was going to do.
0: Do you want my that's help with
3: that? That's how I live my life today. Yes, I do want your help with it.
0: Even though you think I've made a fool out of you? No, I don't think you made a fool
3: out of me. Well, that's what I, you said, and you I can know, play that no, back. I, I got no, it on tape. I said tape. I think
0: you've been trying to make a fool out of me.
3: Okay. I don't, you can't make a fool out of someone who doesn't feel like a fool. I don't feel like a fool. I don't feel like a fool at all. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and I respect that. I mm. respect the fact that everyone has an opinion, and everybody's entitled to that opinion. Well, I'm Everybody here's to... a Dr. Phil fan. They're not a Thomas fan. I, I nobody came here because they're a fan of me. They came here because they're your fans.
0: Okay, well, I'm happy so to talk you to So anything you say,
3: they're going to go along with that.
0: So... Well, I think you're in, I think well, that's it's a... true. It's huh? true. These
3: are Dr. Phil fans. Oh, they're listen, not Thomas fans. You
0: should read my message boards if you think these.
3: <laughs> okay, well, whatever.
0: Uh, but we'll certainly. I'll meet you backstage.
2: And Thank you. Yeah, that was um, quite a happy coincidence that uh, I had thought of the acolytes' comments before the guest uh, made that point. I, I think the point is that um, Dr. Phil was uh, challenged, and uh, in the context of his show... He's probably very rarely challenged. And uh, I I think it was refreshing, actually, that this fellow with a a serious problem was prepared to challenge him. And I think um, it's good that footage exists, even though clearly with the chairs being wheeled off, uh, Dr Villa decided to cancel the segment for broadcast.
1: Yeah, that obviously happened in the, in the, um, ads and, uh, and, but, but the guy was very, Dr. Phil, he's got a certain patter that he uses and when people don't go in that patter he doesn't really know how to handle it very well, I mean he did try and make a good joke at the end and so I'll give him that, and he's very good at what he does, but the problem is what he does is not particularly helpful for anybody but the guy, it was, yeah, great bit of verbal jousting, he's obviously very intelligent and um, and very quick on his feet and Dr. Phil I think more than met his match in that particular case and hence my thorough enjoyment of it
2: Yes, I um, enjoyed a bit of Schadenfreude um although Dr. Phil is is actually uh, I have a mid midday nap and uh I sometimes put Dr. Phil on uh as as background white noise. And uh it, it often helps me to go to sleep very quickly.
1: That's uh, I've had a few listeners email us in about our podcast and say a similar kind of thing, so
2: Oh well great minds think alike.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so that was a good clip, I think, and it had a really good examples of some of those fallacies there. Um, the obviously special pleading at the beginning, and then a false analogy at the end, and essentially you could almost argue it was um, uh, like stacking the deck in a way. Doctor Phil's whole show is about stacking the deck. So yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Dad. And that was highly entertaining bit of uh,
2: fallacies from Doctor Phil. Uh, no worries, CEO.
1: There's a couple of points that we didn't uh, talk about there in that section. So in that section, we were talking about special pleading as one of the fallacies. Now, that's the kind of special pleading where the advocate says you couldn't possibly understand it because you haven't been through what i've been through or you don't see things from my point of view there is of course the other type of special pleading where you come up with an excuse for why something didn't happen so you immunize your hypothesis so that's one little point i wanted to add uh, from having listened back to that section the other point that i wanted to make was that uh the false analogy that um, dr. Phil makes is is, is it 's again another one to talk about in terms of analogies are neither necessarily false nor true in terms of proving a point the analogy can illustrate a point so I actually think Dr. Phil did make a good point in that you don 't need to, he doesn 't actually need to have experienced um, that guy 's uh, um, condition to be able to help treating him because that and that was because uh, the 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 person on the show had um, use special pleading to get out of it so dr phil really all he needed to say was well now you're doing the special pleading here why do i need to have experience to help you with it can't clinical psychologists study people and trial programs and see if those programs work and if those programs work you can help them without having to have gone through that experience so that's just one other little point i wanted to add on to um the having listened back to that section again this has actually suddenly become very self-referential because I just listened to the bit I just recorded, just then explaining another bit that I just recorded, and I wanted to add another bit to that bit. And the other bit I wanted to add to that bit was Dr. Phil's point. I think was good, but his analogy, nevertheless, was a poor analogy. It was and wasn't an apt analogy, even though he was trying to illustrate a point. Uh, so. In that sense, it still is a false analogy. So, even though before I've just said to you that analogies are neither false nor, um, sorry, are neither right or wrong in terms of proving a point because you can't prove a point with an analogy, the, the point of using an analogy is to better explain what you mean. And a lot of the time that ends up just distracting because people are thinking about the analogy. However, in saying that, they do tend to convince a lot of people because most people don't actually understand that analogies tend to be a load of crap. I'll probably listen back to this now and then think of saying something about this. Hmm. probably should write my podcasts like a lot of people do, so Brian Dunning, for example, of Skeptoid, he obviously sits down and really researches his. He then you know obviously has a script and then writes and it 's well thought out. whereas I've just come to the park and put on my headset and my di- with my digital recorder, and now I 'm just recording this off the fly, so sorry for the waffle. I might edit it out, but like I said, I've been really busy, so I probably won't bother. Um... So one other thing I wanted to add again, after listening back to the other two bits I've just talked about, even though I think Dr. Phil made a good point, I do still think he's a tool. So really don't at all think that I'm endorsing Dr. Phil as a person. I pretty much think he's a tool. just want to be really clear about that. So that was a rebroadcast episode of Hunting Humbug 101. For more information about the show and the book, Humbug the Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments, head to www.skepticsfieldguide.net.